Welcome back to While We Are On The Subject with Aaron and Ryan, the show that makes politics fun again. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of While We're On The Subject. I am here with the fabulous Ryan Bethay. What is up, everybody? I am feeling fabulous today. And do you know why, Aaron? Why are you feeling fab? I'm feeling fab because... I just had me some tasty Barnana. And did you know that Barnana is one of our oldest, oldest partners? Do you remember the days when we broadcast in the Barnana studio? Those were great times. I love the founder, Matt Clifford. Oh, great bananas, tremendous bananas. But they have banana brittle out there right now. So, folks, for all our listeners of the While We're on the Subject show, we've got a very special offer. And the offer is you can go to your local grocery store and buy them at retail price and have and enjoy a delicious snack. That is wholesome and pure for your body. When thinking dehydrated banana snacks, think Barnana. Ryan, I think that's one of the best deals of the century. I think it's a tremendous deal. I mean, you're getting a great, great deal. Okay, so go out, get bananas, go bananas, peel out, everybody. Thank you. The art of the peel. All right, that's my banana story. This past week, uh, it was basically, I mean, maybe the world almost ended. Uh, <laughs> today, we're going to cover. The North Korea continues to escalate its its military operations. The government almost shut down, uh, but luckily we have a, a weak stopgap. And uh, sanctuary cities, court ruling, and then Obama got a pretty sweet speaking gig on Wall Street. And then we're going to cover the 100 days. How is the Trump administration doing? It's doing well, doing hot. Uh, so, Amazing. That I mean, sounds like a really fun show. Hey, Aaron, why should people listen to this weekend review? Tell me why. I had someone say, tell me why, Ryan, I should listen to this show. And I said, I'll tell you why right after I ask Aaron why. I think, well, the primary reason is to listen to you, of course. The show is all about Ryan, in case no Absolutely. one, no one knew. In the it, off chance, they don't care about my comical interventions and instead care more about thoughtful and insightful analysis. What do you say to that? I think you should listen to... This week in the review, if you want to know objectively what happened the last previous week, if you want to laugh about it a little bit, because, you know, world world always needs some sunshine, and that's what Ryan provides in my life. And you get to learn about some pretty serious issues, and it's the, also the top issues of last week. So we Ryan and I curate what happened the previous week, and we pull out the top uh, top news items, and then we dive into them and give you what you need to know. Well, you've sold me. Well, tell you what, count me as a listener. And besides, I'm just going to click refresh over and over <laughs> and over again, because that's the way, folks, to grow everything. So why don't we just dive right into it, and we can find out what in the world's going on with NK, a.k.a. North Korea, but no JK. Aaron, what's going on in the Korean Peninsula? So as we covered the last few weeks, North Korea continues to basically raber saddle to such a high degree that, that even its allies are like okay you need to like chill out stop this uh, china has radically increased its military presence around the korean peninsula and, and in fact most people are reporting now that tri- china is trying to calm down the situation as much as possible and there's even suggestions uh, among based upon Chinese state media that they would actually be okay with a reunified Korean peninsula 
Yeah, I mean that's a pretty radical statement coming from coming from no China's way. China's they position. said that. Come on, you're. It was it was a suggestion. My chain. No way. It was a suggestion, and and I, I think it's because they feel that one, it's that based upon the new economic growth engine that's within China, it's far more capitalistic. I think they feel far less threatened, and and second is like I I truly I think that they think that th- maybe this time is different. Like before, you know, uh, Kim Jong Un's father was maybe far more reasonable maybe his son is not and if you look at the propaganda that comes out of north korea it is it has been since his son took over far more militaristic far more aggressive and about him being in charge as in the the kim son uh, kim son and and less so that the generals are in charge man this sounds pretty tense do you think a unified korean peninsula will affect kimchi exports i'm a huge kimchi consumer the I, I that that that's a staple of of my day as well. So I sympathize, and I'm very concerned uh, as well with you. And, and in fact, I mean they they've tried to launch a missile kimchi over here, but it, then it failed again. Second second missile launch that failed. And I, I actually and Ryan, do you? I don't know if you buy this or not. There there is a theory floating around the the intelligence circles that they're intentionally failing these launches, so they still show they're defiant. Uh, but they are actually not escalating the conflict. That's well, if you remember, that was the theory that I floated last week. But to be fair, I heard that. I actually heard that from Mr. Ben Shapiro, who heard it from some other people. And I was like, that actually makes sense to me. But this is crazy stuff right now. I cannot believe that China would be okay with the unified Korean Peninsula. I feel like North Korea is... That guy you brought to the party, and everyone at first like, oh, okay, haha, kind of party, and then got really, really hammered, and now you're like, the guy who brought him is like, dude, dude, China like brought him to the party. He's like, dude, you need to chill, okay? They're gonna kick you out of the party. You don't understand. The guy's like, bring it on. I don't care. You don't know me. And he's like breaking beer bottles everywhere, and it's like, okay, dude, this is Trump's party, all right? And Trump is literally gonna throw you out of the party. And they don't know that right now. So China's like, Dude, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll put them in a cab. I'll put them in a cab. That's how I see this going down. And, and you see that, that, that regardless was ever having domestically for Trump, and we're going to cover that in the next segment. But he has, foreign policy-wise, has shown that he has a, a cohesive team that is working together and approaching situations differently, like Syria's was very much like, let's drop some bombs and leave because they wanted to just make a statement of, america's power but in north korea it's very different they're they're not attempting to you know launch lob missiles into north korea and then leave like they're basically exerting a lot of soft power and they're increasing the presence of military around the korean peninsula but it's not directly engaging them which which shows that they they have the ability to distinguish for different scenarios and have different outcomes which is which is particularly kind of encouraging because most people fear that I remember, as I'm sure you do, during the campaign, a common argument against uh, President Trump was that he was just going to randomly start some war with somebody because of his his ego. And we see that he's far more in control than I think most people predicted. Mm, Very interesting. I agree. Also, before we go on to the next story, I just have to comment on how crazy this world is. As Aaron was talking, here in the studio, I keep on a TV in the background with all the major news outlets just so I can be aware of if you want, as Aaron said, objective reviews of what happened, you tune in here. If you want a subjective review of what happened, you can pick any station with you know three letters um, and or maybe four or five, and you can figure out 
uh, what your experience, choose your own, choose your own news adventure. <laughs> but as Aaron was talking, I looked up and I saw Fabio on Tucker Carlson and then it went to commercial and then it was a hepatitis A, B and C drug commercial with a polar bear swimming in a tank, putting its paw up for a family to touch. So things are weird right now. I'm just saying Fabio's on Fox News. Something strange is happening. So the, the last hundred days, right? We've had President Trump for a hundred days and he sent out I mean, he had the new contract for America inspired by Newt Gingrich's contract for America. And he said he was going to tackle all these things in 100 days, although now the administration is downplaying the 100 days, saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And just so people know where the 100 days came from, it was this this uh, campaign slogan that the FDR used in his reelection. And ever since then, the media has been, been obsessed about what the 100 days of a new administration will bring. And Trump had a lot of promises that he, he ran on. And uh, I think that it's basically, to be fair to the administration and the critics, it's been kind of a mixed bag. Uh, so let's just go through some of the, these these topics. So uh, first, let's talk about polling. Uh, so currently, uh, Donald Trump is up. Uh, he's up a few points. He's at now at 47% approval, according, according to Rasmussen, which Rasmussen was the most accurate polling outfit uh, to predict the uh, 2016 uh, presidential election. So he's up from a low of 42, 43, which was basically late March. And the highest it was was basically uh, mid-50s uh, before his inauguration. Um, so he's at a uh, basically a 10-point or so, also from disapproved to strongly disapproved to strongly approved, he's at a, which is another gauge for like basically um, high, high level of partisanship he's at a 10 point deficit with a lot more people who strongly disapprove of him uh than strongly approve good for him whatever 100 days man meaningless i haven't done anything in 100 days seriously i was trying to think what i've done in the last 100 days it's not pretty so let's go into healthcare. i think is the probably the most epic failure of of the current congress and current administration Donald Trump pledged to repeal Obamacare, and as everyone knows who uh, has been watching uh, the news the last month, it was it was not a success. Uh, he could not get the uh, Tuesday group, which is the moderate group uh, within Congress, and he could also could not get the Freedom Caucus to come along. Although apparently during recess, uh, while in the Congress was out, Paul Ryan was out. Apparently, the administration has been moving forward with its own plans. Uh, to bring along the Freedom Caucus and Tuesday Group. And they have apparently a bill now, and we haven't seen it yet, that will be the next version of healthcare reform. So Donald Trump hasn't given up on it, and now he's taken the reins. However, the healthcare bill vote has not been pushed off, predominantly because uh, the Congress is focusing on taxes and the government not shutting down. Man. Well, speaking of shutdowns, Aaron... We have a lot to talk about with government shutdowns, and Republicans don't seem to do well with the prospect of shutdowns, which I don't understand because they separate shutdowns into essential services and non-essential services, Mm -hmm. which then begs the question to me, if something is non-essential, you know, why is it happening that much? You know, you remember remember when Obama, uh, when (laughs) the Obama administration, when they're... uh, when the uh, government shut down and they were like canceling white house tours, yeah, you know, saying that we can't do it. Like they actually had to fire, like they said, we've laid off the photographers. And then I think, uh, and the were, national uh, parks, remember they closed those. 
yeah, so that was always fascinating. I mean, it's just like to feel the pain, just silly, silly things like that, right? And I'm just going, but essential services keep happening, right? So the military keeps running, you know, police officers, hospitals, all that stuff. So I'm just curious what, you know, how come Republicans are so adamant about not shutting the government down? Is it just a branding thing? Yeah, if you look in the past, Republicans have been blamed pretty pretty much lockstep and keel among voters for uh for past government shutdowns and and this one is they just passed a a resolution on friday uh the the house approved it 38 30 and it was done by vote in the senate for a stopgap spending measure that guess how long it lasts ryan how long a week so we so we have the government that's running uh non-essential services for a week but it's, it's true like they're basically debating over it's around like one trillion dollars of spending per year uh, but the but the government itself right is is a massive budget it's almost four trillion dollars so you're really debating over like a third of the spending and they can't get that done and republicans have also backed down from nearly every measure they wanted to include uh trump according to reports now uh trump has backed away from the border wall including some initial money for that uh, uh, you can't do you can't not do the wall if you're trump I mean, that was his thing, right? He's like, I'm going, I mean, literally that's the only thing he had to do. And actually the, the wall, what are the, what are the costs of the wall, Aaron? Well, the estimates, I mean, they just actually closed up the RFP process for that, but it's, it's ranging between if you put a wall, like the, the estimates are all over the place. So anywhere between 10 to $40 billion, somewhere in that range. Yeah. So and like when they do an RFP process, do they like do you think they have like packages they select? Like there's the basic wall, the premium wall, and then there's like the premium plus wall. Like that comes with like all the perks. I really be interesting, like when you bid like on the wall. Also, did David Barton and his group wall builders, did they bid on it? Or is it just metaphorical? I don't know. A lot of things to consider there. What goes into a wall RFP for I would have loved to see the request for proposal on the wall. Like looking, like seeking motivated independent contracting firm must have extremely good deal looking for a large wall to span anywhere from 100 to 2000 miles across Southern border of United States, you know, and then it is for company, uh, secret, but, uh, you could probably guess who it's for. And then like, you know, uh, what colors the wall going to be? Do we bring in decorators? Like that's thing too. Does one side of the wall have like a, mexican themed advertising and then the other side of the wall is like you know southern kind of like you know when you go to vegas they have like different billboards when you're getting there versus late. like come see us again is that going to be on one side of the wall and then the other one's like hey well you know, come on in i'd be interested to see can we monetize that can we paint can we do ryanair all over it there's a lot of things i'm sorry i'm getting off track i just think a giant wall is a lot of advertising that could happen but there there was one proposal that put uh seashells and like sand like basically like a sand wall was was one rp it, it there was a lot a of serious, sand wall yeah there was a lot of serious proposals but there were some funny ones like some had some you know art on it and there were some like really intense ones that were like electrified so it it, it ranges but but either way like within the budget resolution there is no funding for wall there is no uh trump wanted to increase defense spending so that's now out Trump also wanted to limit the subsidies to Obamacare insurance exchanges, so now that's out. I'm not really sure what I'm not really sure what the the budget's gonna. I mean, if Republicans theoretically can control both houses 
and the uh, White House, they're not really getting anything that they want in in this budget. Uh, what is going on? I just don't understand. Like they, it, they just they're they're not winning anymore, Aaron. They don't win. And so, going continuing down on the hundred days, remember Trump promised some some tax reform. So he 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 had his Secretary of Treasury and the head of the NEC, Gary Cohen, present the package that he will be pushing through, uh, or at least working on with with Congress. Um, which is this is also very different from the healthcare reform member because in the healthcare reform he relied on Ryan. This this is uh, Donald Trump taking now the reins and pushing through. So he is proposing a simplification down to three three individual rates, uh, cutting the corporate rate down to fifteen percent from thirty five percent. The 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 top personal rate will be cut down to thirty five from thirty nine ish. He's going to repeal the death tax. He's going to slash. Uh, the re- repatriation, so allowing companies to repatriate money back into the United States, um, and he's going to basically eliminate almost all deductions except for charity and mortgage, and then he said the child tax credits, things like that. So it's a it's a pretty significant reform uh, if it ever pans out, but we we actually don't know a lot of the details on like what are the income brackets for the three different rates. What about um, you know? There was a border adjustment tax that was being proposed. What happened to that? Is it revenue neutral? Are we actually cutting spending? Because even in this in this budget resolution, right in this budget process, there hasn't been any discussion about actually cutting anything. So they can't even agree on just extending something. Man, he wants to drain the swamp, but the swamp is like the shower drain, and there's just a lot in there. And you know what? It just it's not going to go as easy as you think. I am I am interested to see. Do you think Trump cares more about? his legacy or getting things done. I, I'm just fascinated between you know, cause all politicians make these compromises when they get in office, right? We all remember president Bush, you know, senior read my lips, no new taxes. Right. And if Trump doesn't build a wall, I will argue that will actually uh, supersede the no new taxes pledge as the biggest campaign promise broken, you know, in history. Uh, but do you think he's dealing with just the practical realities, Aaron, or do you think that Trump kind of, you know, he knew his base, you know, threw some red meat to his base, and now he's getting in there and he's just sort of, we're seeing more of a real Trump come out, which is a just sort of pragmatic, like, whatever, let's just get something done. Uh, or, you know, I'm wondering, where do you think it, where do you think he falls? Yeah, I I think we're all still trying to figure out what exactly the Trump policy is from domestic to foreign policy outside of just America needs to be great in some strain of nationalism. And and also within the White House, I mean, there's lots of reports that that there is infighting and and different power back different powers being created and and I think now you're seeing more of a moderation. So I, I agree with you that the more establishment Republicans and the Jared Kushner Ivanka's of the world are gaining more traction within the White House right now. But in the end, I I do think that he cares a lot about his legacy and he predominantly wants to be known. I believe as as the blue collar president that brought back jobs that grew the economy. So if he achieves those two things, I, I think those are more important to him than than the campaign promises. We will see. We will see. Aaron, I see a note here for sanctuary cities. We talked about that a while ago, but what's going on in the world of sanctuary cities this week uh, in a continuing number of 
district court judges that have struck down various executive orders of the president. Uh, Were these so-called judges or real judges? No, so that was that was during the campaign. Yeah, so these are real judges. You know, although okay, these are real. Yeah, and these are not these are not island judges. No, no. Well, they're all they're all part of the Ninth Circuit, though. Uh, And this one was this one is in San, San Francisco. And what was weird about this is that he, he nothing has actually happened, right? This has all been talk, all been conjecture. And, you know, Sessions has been talking about some consequences for people not following federal immigration law. Uh, and the the, just, the the judge struck down this executive order when nothing has actually happened. So you could argue that it, the, the case has yet to uh, materialize, right? Or as lawyers would say, it is not ripe yet. So it's sort of a... A like, well, he may do this, therefore we're gonna ban it or say it's illegal, which is which was first strange. Um and, and the second thing that's strange is like the the actual consequence of this in and I've I've talked to a few uh lawyers on this uh who are who are district attorneys who are both pro and against this uh Trump's policies, and they said it's kind of a like what is the conclusion from this that the federal government can't make the states do anything? That, that the states are free to do whatever they want and they can still take government money. Uh, undoubtedly, this will be appealed and it will it'll, it'll go up the district courts and, uh, you know, go to Ninth Circuit, probably ruled in favor of the uh, of the more liberal position and then go to the district, uh, go to the Supreme Court. And I mean, I can't imagine the I can't imagine the Supreme Court upholding the, the, this ruling. So Sessions says that he and that the, the, the Justice Department will be appealing this ruling. And, um, yeah, again, we are on dangerous territory. This is such a complicated issue, but you just, you run a dangerous precedent when you have, uh, municipalities threatening to just go against, uh, federal orders on an area where it seems the federal government has a clear mandate, but Mm -hmm. this also brings up, as you alluded to last, the last discussion we had on this, which is how involved should the federal government be in, in these municipalities in general, are they already are they already depending on the government for too much money to begin with, as you mentioned with highways and and freeways and such? Uh, this brings up a really interesting issue because maybe the whole thing about sanctuary cities just comes from the fact that uh, that the federal government maybe is too involved uh, with some of these cities. But I do just think it's interesting that either side just complains that the federal government is too involved or is overreaching when it's just a policy that they don't like. And then they're encouraging everyone to be dissidents and move away from it, as we discussed last time with some of the other with the religious liberty issues and such. So it is interesting to see that. Uh, Aaron, do you have a pick? Uh, who is the who's the top sanctuary city? Who's which sanctuary city would figuratively give the finger the most to the administration right now? Who's winning? Hmm. San Francisco, I'm... Chicago. Uh, is there like a sanctuary city league? Do you think they have like a, a Quidditch <laughs> league or something going on? Yeah, the, I mean, there's more added. It seems on a regular basis from you know small in the middle of nowhere towns uh, to you know major areas like the Bay Area, and, and now there's even uh, in the Bay Area there's there's a, a, a an issue before the city council that they want to make sanctuary companies. So companies should sanctuary inten- companies. Yeah, so companies should intentionally hire illegal immigrants and then also protect them from ice which i thought companies were the bad guys at least last time we talked about this you remember like during during george w bush versus nancy pelosi the main argument then was that companies were the bad guys and like we need to punish them through e-verify and all these other means and taking advantage of of illegal immigrants and now apparently the companies are good 
because they're protecting because com- they're protecting uh, uh, illegal illegal immigrants. Wow, that is an interesting sanctuary company, yeah. man. Yeah, it's first. The other one interesting is I was trying to find this uh, was Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, the city council there voted to uh, impeach Trump. Uh, so I didn't realize that a city council had the authority to do that. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, maybe they maybe they also have a, a new constitution that they're working on. But it's they're not alone. Actually, the other uh, bastion of conservatism, uh, the Berkeley City Council, uh, in a much uh, unanticipated move, they voted to impeach Trump. And I guess they ran out of time deliberating over that because when it came to the measure of whether or not they should have law enforcement, you know, protect speakers at the Berkeley campus, uh, that measure was actually not brought up for discussion. But they did manage to impeach Trump, which is good. Uh, so that's that's good. City council is always always enjoy having pressing business before the city council, right? Yeah. The in in other news, uh, former President Obama uh, hasn't remained out of the headlines as as. He, oh, he lasted. He lasted like almost made it, right? He, he almost, almost like made it. George Bush kept his mouth shut for what, like four years? Yeah, not yeah, not not Obama. So it, it ends up that President Obama has taken a speaking gig, and guess where that where where's that gig, Ryan? Uh, where like location wise, you mean? Yeah. Because I um, let's see, is it? I would. There are three places I would guess. One, a golf course. Uh, he mm-hmm. enjoys being there quite a bit to Hawaii. He also enjoys vacationing. Oh, that's a good. There. Option. Uh, could have been Hawaii. And third, I'm going to guess just in a, just for irony and fun, wall street. Oh yeah. Wall street. So president Obama's taking taken a $400,000 speaking engagement for an hour for an hour, uh, for a wall street conference. Do we know what was said? No, uh, yeah, we should ask if he's going to release his <laughs> release his transcript. Uh, now, to be fair, he to be fair, every president, every ex president in modern times does a speaking tour, and they do. When the Reagans left office, I have to be fair to both sides. Or when the Reagans left office, he actually didn't have that much money, and and they wanted to make sure to be able to finance their lifestyle. And when he couldn't go on the ranch, you know, especially considering his health. Uh, he actually had to have a friend help him with a mortgage on a house, and then he did a series of international speaking engagements in Japan and a few others. So I don't fault a president. I do think it's interesting, though, that he would be going to Wall Street, and I just want to know what—I mean, what did he say that's not in the classic document of liberty, uh, the audacity of hope or dreams of my father? Like, what did you—400,000 bucks? I mean, is Clinton getting jealous? Is he— <laughs> Is he raising the glass ceiling for her even further? Is this bad news? I, I think that yeah. I mean, I I sympathize with with your with your point. Like, I mean, I don't great that the president can do this. Like, more presidents can go and you know offer whatever advice and insight, or just because they're the president, they get paid to go show up places. But he specifically was oriented to being supposedly the anti Wall Street president. And supposedly, you know, Dodd Frank was the greatest thing to to punish Wall Street, even though it increased massive consolidation. And Wall Street has done amazing underneath Obama. Uh, and there's greater concentration of capital and wealth. And, and also, like, I mean, even Vox and other liberal sites were just lamenting the fact that, you know, where is I thought this guy was social justice warrior with us, but apparently not. Apparently money is more important to him. Well, was he paid in U.S. currency, pesos, anything, any other ways out of this? Yeah, he was paid in uh, gold. 
I, I bet you, can you imagine Gold that coins. as a Venmo transaction? <laughs> like, is that how it happened? Like, he got hit Venmo, like, at Barry Obama, and then it was, like, four, and under the notes it said, for epic speech, and it was $400,000. Like, man, what a processing fee, right, on that? That would be – also, I hope it doesn't turn out that that was money that was, you know – used for something that should have been given back to the investors. Like, I hope it doesn't come out to be a, an overall negative spill on that, but you know what? Hey, free speech, baby. In America, you get to go speak to whoever you want to, and they'll pay you. In fact, people don't realize, Aaron, did you know that I was once given a hundred thousand dollars not to speak? (laughs) Where was that? Uh, Everywhere. People have just said, we prompt, like, if you don't talk anymore, please, for the love of God, we will give you, $400,000. $400,000. That's and the type of business I want to be in. That's right. So I've actually, it's called a reverse speaking gig. Um, and I've been on a tour of it for a long time. And what I've done is I've actually taken that money and put it into my private foundation, which is going to funnel and which is going to finance my future campaign rallies um, and then help me buy and secure influence around the world. So it's a pretty novel concept. No, yeah, I never actually heard don't think anyone's tried it before. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you may be on something there. It's not, it That's doesn't right. sound and illegal at all. And but, when they said, when they talk about it, they'll say he went on a non-speaking tour and they're like, please, please just please never, never talk again. So anyways, well, <laughs> good for him making some dough. Maybe, maybe when they take a uh, last thought on this, maybe when they take a huge portion of that in taxes from him, maybe he'll be like, shoot, I should probably lower taxes. This really sucks. They took like half the money. And then, it, then tax rates are now real for him. Uh, let's go on to the lightning rounds where we cover, some other big Can news items. Can I do items. a lightning round sound effect? Yeah, go ahead. Do it. Zzz, lightning round. Sound. Lightning round. 1.21 gigawatts. So we will cover other top news, but just really briefly, so you can get the high level happen last week. So Bernie Sanders, now independent, you know, no longer a Democrat, independent has commented upon Ann Coulter's being banned and threatened of violence at Berkeley. And after going back and forth, she's now not attending uh, Berkeley to do her speech because even her bodyguard said and her and her donors and her supporters for the event backed out because they were getting so many death threats and were literally scared for the life. That's scary. I mean, it's sad when we've reached that point in our political discourse that you can't uh, you can't even speak without fear of death. Um, but most, I guess to be fair, though, historically, people have always dealt with this, right? Um, you know, when they're really controversial, I also got to give a shout out. Bill Maher actually defended her yeah. uh, right to speak there and said that everyone just needs to grow up and that you shouldn't be afraid of alternate opinions. So good for Bernie and good for Bill. So here is uh, Bernie's quote. To me, it is a sign of intellectual weakness. If you can't ask Ann Coulter in a polite way questions which expose the weakness of her arguments, if all you do is boo or shut her down or prevent her from coming, what does that tell the world? What are you afraid of? Her ideas? Ask her the hard questions, confront her intellectually, booing people down or intimidating people or shutting down events. I don't think that way works in any way. And then he went to sleep and got a pudding cup. <laughs> he got in his Volvo, 1980s Volvo station. I wagon. Say, I, I, as I, Ben Shapiro keeps making, I think Ben Shapiro populated the, uh, the, uh, the pudding cup thing. He always goes, I need a pudding cup. I'm Bernie Sanders and I need a pudding cup. So France had its election, and Marie Le Pen, the quote-unquote far-right far candidate, uh, did very well. She received, she was second, although leading early in the evening. Uh, however, centrist candidate uh, Emmanuel Macron 
ended up winning the first round. So now the next round will be between Macron, Macron and Marie Le Pen. And Marie basically did as well as she was doing in polls, as in like, you know, her approval rating. Macron was, was a bit of a surprise. However, both of these are outside the outside or outsider candidates are not part of the, the normal establishment parties. Uh, most people think Macron's going to win because he has a broader, broader base of support. He can pull in people from the different parties that are not unlike Marie Le Pen. All the other candidates have, I think, I believe almost all the candidates have endorsed Macron. So it is, it's hard to see how Marine, Marine uh, Le Pen can actually gain a larger coalition. Uh, we'll know in a few weeks when the when the next uh, for the, for the final runoff. However, polls have been wrong in the past, and things could get hairy. Well, it is time for Marie Le Pen. She is running, and her slogan is "Vive France." That's actually not her slogan. I just wanted to say that. But do you think that the Aaron? I'm flying Air France soon. Do you think there are any political these implications politically will affect my travel accommodations? I I just hope that you know. Let's hope that there's not maybe a travel ban into the, to the United States from France because otherwise your your trip is uh, is done for. I will lead a revolution in the coach since I'm flying coach on the way there. I'll be like, this is enough. It's time we took back the bourgeois first class. It is time we took over. And then the news will read: American leads French Revolution on flight uh, Air France flight, and then United security officials helped remove Bethay from the flight. The uh, in other news, do you remember the the big Iran deal, prisoner swap, money money that was sent in 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 planes at midnight? Lots of weird things happened with that Iran deal. So Politico has learned, and remember Politico's center left has learned a lot more about these prisoners that were released. One is that the number that the administration actually gave out was wrong. It was about twice as big, and it was labeled the administration labeled these people as prisoners of war they weren't terrorists well ends up yeah actually these people are like seriously bad folks and most of them were actually being charged around nuclear proliferation issues and were being caught by like stealing missile secrets smuggling missiles into iran uh taking nuclear yeah wow it's like even political was like wow this is like really really bad and also the administration based uh what's the word for it uh uh stopped the Justice Department and the FBI and other agencies from continuing investigations into these people and to basically punish Iran for violating the Nuclear Proliferation Treaty. So the Bonham administration basically shut down any type of internal investigation within the government to punish Iran for the known fact it was breaking the law and trying to proliferate nuclear technology and weaponize it in the sake for the treaty deal, which is totally not what they actually presented to the American public. You know what Stewie from Family Guy would say to that, Aaron? What do he say? Not cool, Obama. Not cool. <laughs> I encourage everyone that's to a, read it. it it's a that's pretty really bad. Yeah. And also, a, the fact that it comes from Politico, that's pretty telling, right? Yeah. I encourage everyone to go read it and learn more about this deal as uh, undoubtedly, I mean, Donald Trump said that it, he was actually referring to this article when he said they're not, they're not, they're not taking in the spirit of the deal is the fact of that there, there are a lot of things built into the deal that seemed very sketchy and seem to just be oriented towards just in, any sort of deal is okay. And undoubtedly, Donald Trump, if you look at North Korea and Syria, this is going to come up as an issue within his presidency. 
This is uh, that's what uh, I was at a conference some uh, some years ago in my youth, and President Bush said, "There's no such thing as short-term objective history." I trust that history will evaluate my presidency in a fair and thoughtful manner. I said, wow, interesting. No such thing as short-term objective history. Interesting point. I think we're going to find out. I think this Iran deal is just falling apart, Aaron. I think it's like, I think it's a low-end mattress that I got at Costco. And you know what? At least with the Costco mattress, I can take it back 30 years in the future. With the Iran deal, can't take it back. Can't take it it's going to be bad. Yeah. On... I don't even know how to say it. It's more interesting, lighter note. The Fire Festival, utter failure. Ryan, you actually tried to attend, right? But they wouldn't even I let did, you there. I did, and uh, they I paid was not, you not permitted to attend, access. Right. They have like a cool threshold, and since none of the music I listened to is post like 1990, I was not uh, given admission to the Fire Festival. But as a person who has traveled to some of the uh, world's coolest conferences, uh, again, just you know, mainly as a food server, um, actually now as a guest uh, sometimes, but uh, I actually really. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to attend Summit Series, uh, which is one of my favorite uh, conferences that I've been to. They do such an amazing job coordinating everything. People think it's easy just to throw an event. Event planning is so tough. It is so difficult. And, I mean, my heart actually really breaks for these guys because if you go on and you see the New York Times article on the before and after pictures of what people were sold and what they actually saw upon arrival, it is I mean, they were billing fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars to four thousand dollars for these luxury suites. Ten ended up being soaked tents. When people got there, uh, they didn't. Some of the the tents didn't have beds in them. Uh, the sam, as you saw the, the pictures of the the gourmet food experience, which is supposed to be Bahamian sushi and island cuisine, ended up being uh, sandwiches uh, with actually no meat. I think the picture I saw was just bread, cheese, and a salad. Yeah, there was no I mean, meat this on is it. a it was sad. royal. What was that? Yeah, it was sad. Yeah, it's it's a royal it's a royal mess up. So, anyways, sorry, Jarul, and sorry, Billy. I hope, but you know what? Hey, they tried, and it's harder than it looks. I think Trump's finding that out too. Running the country a little tougher than it looks. So, anyways, for those of you, that, to be fair though, they are fully refunding everybody. Props to them. Two, uh, the, they're going to do the festival next year, and it's going to be free for everybody to attend. So, good for them. Our last segment, we cover the hysteria. I try to keep track of the hysteria as it can get kind of overwhelming. So we cover what's the new hysteria of the week and uh, what was one that has been resolved because you just get so many, you you forget about what was everyone complaining about and getting outraged. So one that has resolved itself, uh, Nunez, who is the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, there was a huge uproar of the fact that he went to the White House and talked about the quote-unquote spying that the, the, that the Obama administration did on Trump officials. And the, the Democrats and most of the media have asked Nunes to step aside for being partisan and, and put in place a Democrat, which is, oh, of course, right? Because that's not partisan. Uh, so we find out that, one, is that the, the reason why he went there was because the ability to access the documents uh, were in you know, the way that security and classified intel works within the governments there's actually specific terminals and computers that you can only access information so his source in the white house only could access information on the computer so that's why he went there but nunez through he went through the the legal process to then disclose the documents that and why he was making the specific claims to his entire committee and guess what only two Democrats showed up, and of those, Adam Schiff, which is basically the co-chair, showed up, and then one other Democrat, and then the rest of rest of them didn't. 
uh, versus all the Republicans did. So it seems like that's not an issue anymore. No one really cares about. Well, how, what's your outrage level, Aaron? On the, I mean, that, I mean, I was never really outraged on that, but that that was probably like on a one ten scale. That was probably like a six or seven for a while. I mean, it was it lasted longer than a week. So much so that he said that he wasn't going to recruit himself, and then he sort of said he did, and then he did, said he's not doing it. Man, well, a six qualifies as an outrage of the week. So, and well, I think that's the end of the lightning storm, right? Do we have anything else exciting to talk about? The uh, Brett Stevens has joined, has left the Wall Street Journal, is now joining the New York Times, and oh, that is crazy. What is that comparable to? Is that like Charles Krauthammer like joining like MSNBC? Yeah, it's a pretty pretty drastic shift and and the you know great for brett stevens for going to joining uh you know david brooks and and ross through as the other although david brooks is probably more of a moderate now uh other conservative voices at new york times however the response from the left was literally outrage and people threatening to cancel new york times subscribers and uh or they're threatened to cancel their subscription to new york times you know, tweeting and, and trolling Brett Stevens. And the statement from the New York Times was like, well, we did this in an effort to increase diversity of thought so we don't seem like we're all just one-sided. And it's just interesting that the the response was that, no, get him get him back at the Wall Street Journal. We don't want him. I know. This is, uh, it's just, we are in such a divided time right now. It is so tough. I was actually in, in the same segment that had Fabio on uh, with Tucker Carlson. They did a campus reform segment that I was looking at, and uh, it showed that students who were interviewed about Obama policies, if they were credited to Trump, they despised them uh, across the board. <laughs> it's pretty fun. It's like a jaywalking segment. And I'm going, that is that is really sad. We just have so much bias, and it seems the true open-ended discussion. And I'll be honest, obviously, you know, the New York Times, uh, I think most people would agree, is, is fairly biased, but they have they have in the past made some moves where they've been pretty open. They were actually pretty critical of Hillary Clinton. Uh, and they were pretty accommodating of Peter Schweizer's research when he busted her on the, the foundation stuff. And, you know, props to them for trying to expand their intellectual thought. Well, I think it takes courage to do that. And so didn't think I'd say this, but, uh, well done, New York times. Well, well done. Well done. I agree. Well, that was the week folks. Thanks for listening. Ryan, always a pleasure. I think it was a fantastic show, and I look forward to speaking with you again very soon. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Peace. Congratulations. You've just finished another episode of While We Are On The Subject. To continue your education and improve humanity, please share our content and visit our website at www.ots.com. That's www.ots.com. Sing.